Welcome to the Senior Soup Podcast, the DMV's senior resource hub and premier senior advocacy platform. My name is Raquel Meisset. And I'm Ryan Miner. The soup of the day is the Parkinson's Foundation and Family Resources. The spotlight is on our special guest, Don Lewis, who is the development manager in the Mid-Atlantic. Ryan and I are thrilled to have you on here. Hi, Don. How are you? Hi, Raquel. And hi, Ryan. That's me. <laughs> it's good to see you again. The last time I saw you, I think we were in the wharf. Yes. In downtown DC. Yes, eyeing each other at a distance. That's yes, that's right. You were you were a busy woman that day. I know she still is. Yeah. Of You're course. doing a lot out there for the Parkinson's Foundation. I am so excited to hear more about the Parkinson's Foundation. If you can start us off by telling a little bit about yourself and your role with the Parkinson's Foundation and give our audience just a little bit background. Um, first, it's a pleasure to be here today. I always am honored to have the opportunity to talk about what we do at the foundation because it benefits so many people who are living with Parkinson's disease and their care partners. But my background has been always in working with people in the senior industry as well as the youth. When I began this position, it was wonderful. I've been with the Parkinson's Foundation for three and a half years and I have learned a lot over the past years. In addition, prior to that, I was working for the Alzheimer's Association. So making that transition was an awe-inspiring experience and really understanding the constituents. And I've come to know them. I've come to better understand the disease and the needs. What is Parkinson's disease? Parkinson's disease is a neurodegenerative disease that affects the dopamine levels in the brain. Because they're reduced, the neurons aren't reacting as they should. So therefore, it affects the movement so that the movements and coordination aren't as smooth. Dawn, I'm interested in what causes Parkinson's disease and what are are the early signs? Generally, when we look at the causes of Parkinson's, we tend to identify if there's an occurrence in the family. We look at the environment that they may have been exposed to because current research is trying to identify what is the cause. But we do know that from people who have been diagnosed that some have been exposed to pesticides that may have caused the disease. Oh, wow. There's about 15% of people where it is shown that genetically that's has been the cause for Parkinson's. Okay, so it can be genetics. Absolutely. We are currently conducting a study called the PD Generation. And what that is, is we're asking participants, people who are living with Parkinson's, to participate. It's a great opportunity for them to learn more about Parkinson's and then to try and identify whether or not there is a genetic marker that may be visible in this study. Just hasn't been found yet, correct? It hasn't been found yet. And and the reason is people haven't been talking about Parkinson's disease for as many years as they have, for example, Alzheimer's. Within the past 20 to 25 years is when research has really begun. And therefore, it's important that we continue it so that we can get more people involved to conduct better studies, identify treatments. Is that clinical study being done around the D.C. area? It's a national study. So what I do is provide information to individuals who are interested in participating because it is an at-home test. It's a simple saliva test that they can take, and then they will submit that information to one of our research centers where it will be evaluated. Once it's completed, then they will receive an opportunity to have a consultation with a counselor to review the 
outcome of that particular test. And the way in which they find out about it is by going to our website, parkinsons.org, PD gene, and they can register to participate in this particular test. Do you guys fund the studies for these important breakthroughs? Because I know how important that is. That's huge. Funding is huge in order for us to be able to participate in research. And that's why we have a variety of ways in which we reach out to the community to raise funds. We currently have an event that takes place every year. It's called Moving Day. Oh, tell us about Moving Day. Moving Day is a wonderful celebration for people who are living with Parkinson's and their families to come out and just celebrate movement for that day. And so they have an opportunity to meet with different pharmaceutical companies that provide treatments to really understand what they should know so that when they go to their doctors, that they can ask their doctor about that specific medication. They also have an opportunity to move one of the most popular forms of exercise is called rock steady boxing and so one of the things that we do move to is rock steady boxing where we have a certified instructor who basically does a little mini workout so that people can participate the excitement is when we do start moving because people know that the most important therapy for Parkinson's is moving everybody is out there and moves I heard that you have good music for that oh <laughs> excellent music this dj is so popular we are inviting him back for a third year oh my goodness who would that could be? his name be ryan minor i believe it <laughs> yeah. is i look forward to this event every year and yes. uh, we had a blast and sh- yes. we really enjoy it because you can tell how many people have a personal story every time they go into the personal stories It's a tearjerker, and it is so passionate. You hear different scenarios and different stories from everyone who has been impacted (coughs) by Parkinson's in some way, whether it be a family member or the individual themselves. Everyone who gets up and talks has so much courage to do that. What day is it this year, Don? The event will be on Saturday, May 6th, and we're going to have it down on the National Mall, so we're really excited about that. That's going to be fun. I can't wait for it. It was at the wharf in D.C. the last couple of years, but now National Mall, we're going to get a lot of people out there. Absolutely. And another reason why it's great to be at that location, as I mentioned, people like to move. And one of the things that I heard through our surveys is that Mm. the walk was too short. Too short? Too short. How long was it? It was a mile, but they were interested in going longer than that. Right. So are we going longer this year? Yes. They came back and we did some boxing. We did some... Dancing. Dancing. I played some good techno music. And people can bring the whole family? And pets. And pets. Did you hear that? You we'll can bring, bring my, your pet. Bring my cat. Okay. We'll make sure we get photos of put, them. Put, that, put them on a little leash and see how that works out. Well, this is great. And if people want to know more information, they can just go on your website, correct? Yes. Dawn, I'm interested in learning more about the symptoms of Parkinson's disease and early detection. Can you walk us through that? When it comes to early detections, what we encourage people to do is understand what Parkinson's is. Because Parkinson's is a unique disease. For one person, it's gonna be different for the second. Most people associate tremors. If somebody has the tremors where they're shaking, 
then the fear is that, do I have Parkinson's? But there are other symptoms that you need to consider. There could be a, a low voice. Another symptom is small handwriting, which people don't really know about and don't even notice that their handwriting has changed over the course of time. Another one could be just shuffling. Some of these symptoms are very similar to other diseases that are associated with aging. So we encourage anyone who may see one of these symptoms occurring, that they reach out and get medical advice. Parkinson's is difficult to diagnose, so a thorough medical assessment is done. A person is going to be asked to do certain movements during the physical exam. The doctor, neurologist, will watch their gait, will watch what their reflexes are with certain movements. So over a period of time, the doctor will have already established a baseline and then determine whether or not that the symptoms are progressing. If indeed the doctor feels the need to prescribe a medication just to try and correct some of the symptoms, then he will, and that's normally it's levodopa. That's a common medication? Yes, that, it is. That, okay. Levodopa. Levodopa. Okay. Or sometimes known as cinnamon. Is there an average age where someone is diagnosed with Parkinson's disease? The average age is 62, and most commonly men are being diagnosed with Parkinson's. The research on that, why is that for men? That we have not determined because we're still trying to understand what the causes are for the disease. You mentioned earlier about a neurologist seeing a Parkinson's patient or someone who may have the symptoms of what they would consider Parkinson's. Does that start with a primary care provider, for instance, if an Enoble care provider saw someone and they start to recognize some of these symptoms, the Enoble care provider, our clinician, our nurse practitioner or physician's assistant could then make a referral to a specialist, a neurologist, so that the patient can go see them. Is that how that works? That's exactly how it works. The primary would refer them to a neurologist. And then sometimes a person will go directly to a neurologist. What we also recommend, especially in this area, we're very fortunate to have movement specialists. These are neurologists who have been certified through a fellows program to provide services for movement disorder. There are several different hospitals that offer movement specialists in the area. We call them our centers of excellence, Georgetown University, as well as Johns Hopkins. So they have a movement disorder department that they will see patients who have been diagnosed with Parkinson's. The great part about that particular type of department is that they have a medical team that will always be available to assist and make sure that the patient gets the care that they need. Since we're on the hospital topic right now, I did want to ask, do people with Parkinson's face greater risks when they are hospitalized? Because, you know, hospitalization is a big topic right now and readmissions. They are at great risk when they're being hospitalized anytime that they go to the hospital. The foundation has just implemented a, an education program for healthcare professionals so that they can better understand how to care for a person with Parkinson's and also focus on the importance of making sure that they get their medication on time. We have a kit called the hospitalization kit. I always encourage people with Parkinson's to take advantage of it. It's a kit that they can receive at no cost. It includes information on developing your hospital plan as well as medication sheets so that you can complete it and it will list all of the medications you're currently taking. Because if levodopa sediment that I mentioned isn't taken on time, it's going to cause an off period where the symptoms are going to be 
accelerated. So that's why it's important that they take this medication. Hospitals, I understand, you know, it's difficult when you're managing patients there. So that's why we have to work together in order to come up with a way in which we can ensure that. When I was a kid, my nickname in, I think, middle school, maybe even dating back to elementary school, was Alex P. Keaton. Alex P. Keaton. Michael J. Fox, a fantastic actor, a all-around a terrific human being. I actually met him in February of 2020 when I was in New Hampshire watching a rally for Mayor Pete Buttigieg because he endorsed... Oh. Pete Buttigieg, Mm -hmm. and he came out and he spoke and he came out and talked to the crowd. He is the, almost the public face in a way for Parkinson's. What I love most about Michael J. Fox is that he is transparent, he's open about it, and he's not afraid to go on television and show himself with the tremors and the effects of the disease. And I, I find that admirable. Yes, we also partner with the Michael J. Fox Foundation because of the research that they're doing. It doesn't make sense to duplicate the efforts. So whenever we can work together in any type of research, because his focus is on treatments, that helps eliminate some of the work that's being done by our researchers. I want to rewind a little bit to the kit we were talking about, because I remember you showed it to me a while back, and I just thought it was fantastic. It's a little black bag, from what I remember, Yes, and everything fits in there. People can keep it in their car, right, just in case they do need to go to the hospital. They Mm -hmm. can bring it with them and show their physician. How are people able to obtain this kit? Through our website, they would go to parkinsons.org and search for the hospitalization kit, or they can reach out to me and give me a call and I can always have one mailed to them as well. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the primary responsibilities of the foundation and how they work with the community? The primary mission of the foundation is to build awareness of Parkinson's educate people who are living with Parkinson's, their care partners. If you notice, I keep referring to care partners as opposed to caregivers, because many of the people who are living with Parkinson's do not suffer with any cognitive impairment early on in the disease. They're not going to need that assistance that a caregiver would normally provide. So that care partner is there to be their cheerleader to keep them going, and then assist them whenever necessary. I reach out to the community. I am always giving presentations to support groups. I have one-on-ones with people who call me and just don't know what to do. I recently received a call from a lady. I couldn't believe it. She was diagnosed two days before she called me, and she Googled this foundation, and she said, I just need help. What do I do? That's where I had that one-on-one conversation. Let's meet up. Take your time and breathe, and then determine what your next steps are. I always encourage them to have their social network, to have that support system in place to help Yeah, I'd actually like to give you a a real life scenario because I did have a personal friend of mine who came to me for advice. This is kind of perfect timing right now. Her in-laws are trying to navigate Parkinson's disease right now. Her father-in-law was recently diagnosed a few years ago. I think that they have been moving forward, it sounds like, with trying to live the new norm. They've made home modifications. They are trying to keep going, but it sounds like they are struggling a little bit with how to navigate the near future. It sounds like he is progressing. 
So they're looking for support, advice, resources, what kind of support and resources can you guys offer the family members who are struggling to figure out how to best help and also make sure that they have the proper education behind all of this? It's got to be tough because if you've never been through it before, how do you know how to navigate and what's right or what's wrong so that you can keep living as best as you can? What advice would you give in that scenario? One, to visit our website because we have a robust education program, a virtual program that's available throughout the week. We have a program called PD Health at Home. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we have a webinar. Monday focuses on mindfulness, mental health, how to manage the disease, how do I remain hopeful? And then Wednesday focuses on the disease so that it may speak on a specific symptom or talk about research. So one of our doctors will lead that particular webinar. And then Friday is Fitness Friday exercise, exercise. Many people can't get out or don't have the energy to want to exercise or where do I begin? And then that's when they can watch one of the physical therapists, work them through a fitness that lasts for about 15 to 20 minutes, just enough to get them moving. Also, if they can't make the live webinar, there's a library that they can access at any time and pick and choose which topic they want to take advantage of. We have a helpline so they can call the helpline and speak with one of our licensed social workers. Are there preventative measures that we can take now that may help curtail the disease in the future? We don't know of any yet. That crystal ball is still cloudy. That's why we're continuing the research. If anything, just to be able to make sure your nutrition is good, you exercise, exercise, exercise. We normally quote 60,000 people are going to be diagnosed with Parkinson's each year. That has changed. It's 90,000. What we're thinking is that one, and especially we see it with young onset, when people notice a symptom, they're more inclined to go get it checked out sooner rather than later. People are so astute to making sure that they take care of themselves. They're seeing an increase. And for those young onset people with Parkinson's, they're able to start that regimen sooner so that it slows it down. People can live 45, 50 years with Parkinson's. So it's not fatal disease. Do you find that people have a harder time coming to terms with it and want to continue to hide the symptoms until it's absolutely unbearable? Absolutely. Many do isolate themselves, especially when they're working. They want to make sure that people don't see if they have some type of tremor. Many may not even experience a tremor. They may just have some other symptom that's being affected. As long as they're able to mask it, they will. Very few people that I've run into have said, I have been diagnosed with Parkinson's and this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to take the bull by the horns and do everything that I can to help slow it down. We always ask or suggest to people they take time to just educate themselves so that they don't run and become isolated in any way. Well, I love all the resources you guys are putting in place because it's really important to be able to help educate from now. I think we're unfortunately probably going to see the numbers increasing over the years. Yes. So especially for it to be so accessible virtually can be a big help for families out there. And we're also planning in-person events. We're looking at having an education event in Northern Virginia in April and then another one in May that will take place in Baltimore. And you mentioned to me earlier, Don, that there are local support groups in particular areas. So our audience out there can just call the phone number or go to your website. Yes, 
Absolutely. Don, thank you so much. I feel like we learned a lot about the Parkinson's Foundation and one of many resources that is offered out there. If you could give our audience a few takeaways to take from this podcast and the Parkinson's Foundation, could you share those with us? One, with Parkinson's, you need to move, regardless of how you feel. Move in any way that's comfortable for you and that's fun for you. The second thing that I'd like to share is have your support system in place. I've talked to a lot of people with Parkinson's and sometimes it becomes a lonely place for them so that if you have that person that you can confide in, that will help with less stress and keep you motivated to go on. And then lastly is educate yourself. Take advantage of all the tools and resources that are out there, the webinars, so that you can really understand what Parkinson's is all about and how to manage so that you can have a lifestyle that's comfortable for you. All right, I think that's a wrap. Just as a reminder, new episodes of the Senior Soup Podcast are released every Monday at 9 a.m. That's right, Raquel, 9 a.m. People can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, where you can find us on the Alexa machine. Raquel and I are on the website at theseniorsoup.com. We're on Facebook and we are on LinkedIn, where we publish these episodes and we publish it on YouTube. That's a lot, isn't it, Raquel? People need it. We need to get the resources out there. That's right. I think that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thanks so much again, Don. And until next time, we'll see you soon. Make a dragon want a retirement or two.